Good morning, church. Delighted to be with you. I've been this past week at the Pepperdine Lectures, teaching Bible there with Jonathan Stormont. My wife also taught a class, and she is somewhere in the desert right now driving my daughter back from Pepperdine, so she gets the Mother's Day Award. She let me come home and be with you. She got uh, Morgan, I get you. We both got a good deal, but I'm glad to be here. I am not going to be here in a couple of weeks. Uh, we're studying First John, open to chapter 4. I think it's page 681 in the Pew Bible. Uh, and we'll have a teaching next weekend, and then I'll be gone a couple of weeks. And the reason is because I'm going to uh, Uganda, where we have missionaries, the Shero family, and where we're trying to establish a Christian university. And I'll be going over with a couple of uh, other leaders. So Jonathan will teach for a couple of weekends while I'm gone. As you know, if you've traveled to places like Uganda, you have to get shots. And I've gone to get all my shots. I have all my prescriptions for malaria and other kinds of disorders. But that's not the scary thing to me. When you go to do all that, they give you information about the country you're visiting and other things to be aware of. And they tell you a lot about snakes. Now, I am irrationally afraid of snakes. And there are a lot of scary snakes in Africa. And so I asked my good friend Des Stain, who grew up in Africa, is it true there are a lot of venomous snakes there? He said, not to worry, only two kinds will chase you. <laughs> now that made me feel better. The last time I was in Africa, we were out in Zambia in the bush and we were visiting one of the local churches. And we were in the church house, and the church house there is made out of mud and straw, and the pews are literally a stump on this end and a stump on that end and a limb about this big around a cross that you sit on. And so we're sitting on the pews when all of a sudden I looked over at the edge, and it seemed to me the pew just moved. And it did because there was a rather long snake that had coiled up the same color of that wood on that pew. So we took the snake, we interrupted the preaching, and we took the snake outside, and we, we killed it in the name of the Lord, is what we did. <laughs> and I thought later that just like a serpent, the devil likes to exist concealed and unnoticed inside churches. He prefers his assault on churches to be an inside job. The Bible says he can appear as an angel of light or he can show up like a roaring lion, but he would prefer to appear as an angel of light so that you don't know what he's doing. And that's why it is so critical for Christ followers to test their hearing. Let's look at chapter 4. We'll read the first six verses now. Keep your Bibles open and be ready. This is going to be a deep lesson and we are going to look at a lot of of scriptures today that I hope you'll write down on your outline, starting in chapter 4, verse 1. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, 
are from God and have overcome them. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world. And therefore they speak from the viewpoint of the world. And the world listens to them. We are from God. And whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Now remember, John is trying to help us differentiate between real and bogus Christianity. And one thing you need to know about a real believer is that a real believer knows when to be an unbeliever. That every believer is called to be an unbeliever. Because love discriminates. Now he's just talked all through chapter 4 and chapter 3 about the power of love, the importance of love. Love doesn't discriminate between gender. It doesn't discriminate between race. It doesn't discriminate between socioeconomic status. But love does and must discriminate between truth and error. A believer must be on the lookout for the Lord of the lies. There is a time to be narrow-minded. Because the enemy preys on undiscerning believers. Paul warns us about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He says, I fear somehow you'll be led away from your pure and simple devotion to Christ, just as Eve was deceived by the serpent. You seem to believe whatever anyone tells you, even if they preach about a different Jesus than the one we preach, or a different spirit than the one you received, or a different kind of gospel than the one you believed. Please understand, heretics never announce themselves as heretics. No one is ever going to walk up to you and say, let me teach you false doctrine to lead you away from devotion to Christ. They're going to preach a different Christ and a different gospel. They're going to spread darkness, but they are going to claim that they are spreading enlightenment. In the same chapter later, Paul talks about these people. He says, these people are false apostles, and they fooled you by disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. But I'm not surprised even Satan can disguise himself as an angel of light. So it's no wonder his servants can also do it by pretending to be godly ministers. Now please understand, John is not saying that we shouldn't listen to anybody. When someone says, I have a word from the Lord or I have a teaching from God, we shouldn't refuse him. He's not saying don't listen to anybody. He's saying test everybody. In 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul says, don't treat prophecies with contempt. Don't dismiss somebody just because they say they have a word from the Lord. But test everything and hold on to the good. Because not all who claim Jesus actually name Jesus. So go back now to verse 1 and let's look at it again. And remember what Paul, uh, John is teaching us. Do not believe. That's your job. A believer must know when to be an unbeliever. Do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God... For there are many false prophets in the world. You see, a teaching 
can be Spirit-inspired and not inspired by the Holy Spirit. You say, what do you mean? Well, the Bible clearly says that false doctrine that comes out of the mouth of false preachers is inspired by false demonic spirits. For example, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, Paul says, Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last time, some will turn away from what we believe and they will follow lying spirits and teachings that come from demons. Years ago, there was a popular television show called Hill Street Blues about a police station in a gritty, tough part of town. And every morning, the show would begin with the Sarge gathering his troops together. And he would give them their assignments. And he would always send them out with these words. Be careful out there. And that's what John is saying. We've got to learn to be good lie detectors. Because Satan rarely ever promotes Satan worship. But he promotes false worship. That will be mingled with morality. Even miracles. But here's the thing. All false doctrines have this in common. The deceiver attacks Jesus. In Jesus' day, demons would confess that Jesus is Lord. But they would never confess Him as Lord. And so in our day, false teachers inspired by false spirits, they do not replace Jesus as much as they reduce Him to someone less than He is. They say, oh, we've got room for Jesus in our spirituality. But our spirituality is so much more inclusive listen again to brother john verse 2 and 3 from the message here's how you test for the genuine spirit of god everyone who confesses openly his faith in christ jesus the son of god who came as an actual flesh and blood person comes from God and belongs to God. And everyone who refuses to confess faith in Jesus has nothing in common with God. You have got to learn as a believer how to detect any teaching that begins to diminish what the Bible says about Jesus. Here's what they'll do. First, they will attack his claim to uniqueness. You see, there is no debate among demons about the identity of Jesus. They knew who he was, and they would tell him, We know who you are, you're the Holy One of God. They would never lie to Jesus about his identity. But they will lie to you. They wouldn't lie to his face, they will lie to yours. They will talk about Christ, but they will get real fuzzy when they start talking about Jesus. This is the line the cults don't want to cross. Oh yes, Jesus is a good man. He's a great moral teacher. He is a son of God, like we all are. He is a way to God. There are many. 
And these people will be very moral. But that's not the test. They might even do miracles. That's not the test. The test is, do they say what the apostolic testimony said about the identity of Jesus? This is the line the cults never cross. Remember what John said back in chapter 2, verse 22? Who's the great liar? The one who says Jesus is not the Christ. Such people are antichrist. They've denied the Father and the Son. You can't be a real Christian and be fuzzy about Jesus. Over 50 times in the New Testament, he's called the Son of God. And if you're a spiritual person, but you deny Jesus, you're no closer to God than a skeptic as far as John is concerned. The great German theologian Karl Barth was teaching at Princeton one time, and after his lecture, a student said, Sir, don't you think God has revealed himself in many other religions and not only in Christianity? And the old man thundered, No, God has not revealed himself in any religion, including Christianity. He has revealed himself in his Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus is not the first among equals. He's first, and there are no equals. No one else ever claimed to personally be the way back to God. No one else ever built a bridge over the valley of sin that could be trusted. But that's the next thing demons will attack. They will attack His offer of righteousness. Not just His supremacy as the unique Son of God, but His sufficiency as the true way back to God. Because they know how scandalous the message of the cross is. And so Satan will... Give us gospels that appeal to human pride. Oh, Jesus is very good, they'll say. But you need to add to Jesus, and then they fill in the blank. Listen, any answer to the sin problem that adds to Jesus is demonic. This is not new. Paul was fighting this heresy in the Galatian churches. Some people were saying, yes, you need to trust Jesus, but you also need to get circumcised. Jesus plus something else. And here's what Paul called it in chapter 1. I'm astonished you're turning so quickly from one who called you by the grace of Christ to a different gospel which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion, trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we are an angel from heaven, by the way, cults often get their teachings from angels. He says, even if an angel preaches you a gospel different than the one preached to you, let him be eternally condemned. You want a strong statement? Here it is. You add 1% to Jesus, and you're 100% wrong. Later, Paul said in the same book, I'm not one of those who try to treat the grace of God as meaningless, for if we could be saved by keeping the law, there was no need for Christ to die. Let me explain quickly how righteousness is achieved in the true gospel. Ephesians 2, verse 8, It's by grace you've been saved, Through faith, this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Let's be very clear here. 
every religion in the world teaches you can be saved. The good news of the gospel is not that you can be saved. It is that you can be saved by grace, not by what you do. That salvation is a gift because of Jesus. Several years ago, some youth ministry students in Missouri took a final exam they will never forget. The class was talked by a man named Dr. Tom Hufty. He told them they were responsible for everything in their book that they'd studied over the semester, which is a fair request of a college class. So they studied and they crammed. They came to class for the final. The test was on every desk turned over. He said, don't turn over the test until I tell you to. He gave them the word. They turned over the test. And to their surprise, at the top of every test was the name of the student sitting in that particular desk. And every question on the test was answered in red ink. And then on the last page of the test, these words were written. This is the end of the exam. All the answers on your test are correct. You will receive an A. The reason you passed this test is because the creator of the test took it for you. All the work you did in preparation for this test did not help you get the A. You have just experienced grace. And every student in this room is going to buy a copy of this CD and take it to school. (laughs) The gospel is that Jesus perfectly met all the conditions of God's holy law and you got his grade. Any gospel that doesn't teach that has failed the test. And any teacher who denies the total supremacy of Jesus and the total sufficiency of Jesus is not connected to the Holy Spirit. The demons will attack his claim to uniqueness, his offer of righteousness. And one more thing, is called to holiness. John says of these false teachers and spirits, they speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. Why? Because the devil is smart. He gives people what they want, and he makes it sound spiritual. And so false teachers baptize sin. This is not a new thing. In my lifetime, I've heard preachers baptize wife abuse. In my lifetime, I've heard preachers baptize racism and use the Bible to do it. You can go home today and turn on your TV and see greed baptized by preachers who say God wants you to be healthy and wealthy. There are right now in pulpits in America churches that are no longer teaching what for 4,000 years was the Judeo-Christian teaching on sexuality that God made us male and female and that sex is for a man and woman in the covenant of marriage. And there are pulpits now who say, that's not true anymore. It can be outside of marriage. It doesn't even have to be a man and a woman. Satan gives people what they want, and he dresses it up in spiritual garb. Here's what the brother of Jesus said, Jude 4. They're godless men who change the grace of our God into license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. You see, if you dismiss sin, you attack Jesus. Remember, Satan specializes in calling darkness light. You remember that great little book by C.S. Lewis, Screw Tape Letters? How this major demon is discipling a young demon on how to tempt men 
to sin against who they call the enemy who is God. There's a great line in there where screw tape says to Wormwood, the junior demon, you will say these are very small sins and doubtless like all young tempters, you're anxious to be able to report spectacular wickedness. But do remember, the only thing that matters is the extent to which you separate the man from the enemy. It does not matter how small the sins are, provided that their cumulative effect is to edge the man away from the light and out into the nothing. There is a reason he is called the Holy Spirit. And any spirit that leads you away from holiness is not the Holy Spirit. 1 John 3, remember we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous just as he is righteous. And he who does what is sinful is of the devil. Many of you have flown into O'Hare Airport in Chicago. It's named after Butch O'Hare. First naval aviator to win the Congressional Medal of Honor. Great World War II hero. There's a reason he got into Annapolis. His father was Slick Eddie O'Hare, Al Capone's lawyer. Very entrenched in organized crime. He wanted to give his son a chance at a better life. And so Eddie squealed on Al Capone and gave the federal authorities information leading to his arrest, knowing full well he would probably be killed, and he was. Within a few weeks of talking to the federal authorities, Slick Eddie O'Hare was gunned down. And the officials at Annapolis believed that sacrifice was proof that Butch had made a true shift from his father's lifestyle. Let me ask you something. Did Jesus die so that you could stay where you are? Or so that you could become what God always meant for you to be? You need to leave any teacher that's telling you to stay where you are and not grow in holiness. You've heard that phrase, dead duck? Well, how do you become a dead duck? Simple, you don't recognize a decoy. If you're a duck and you see something down there on the water and you don't know it's a decoy, if you don't know it's fake, you're a dead duck. John says it's the same way in the spiritual world. You better be able to recognize the decoys. How do you pass the test? He's been saying it all through this book. Number one, you listen to the apostolic testimony. They were with him. They saw him. They touched him. They heard him. And the Spirit has recorded everything they saw. You listen to the apostolic testimony and you listen to the witness of the Spirit. Remember what we said a few weeks ago in chapter 2? We have an anointing. The internal teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit pointing us to the truth about Jesus. Remember what we read back in chapter 2? He says, verse 26 and 7, I've written these things to you because you need to be aware of those who want to lead you astray. But you've received the Holy Spirit and He lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what's true. 
For the Spirit teaches you all things, and what He teaches is true. It's not a lie. So continue in what He's taught you, and continue to live in Christ. So now let's close with the teaching we started with. 1 John chapter 4, he wrapped it all up in verse 6. We belong to God. This is why those who know God listen to us. If they do not belong to God, they do not listen to us. That's how we know if someone has the spirit of truth or the spirit of deception. You see, John says a receiver of the spirit of truth will have good hearing. You notice what he did? At the start of the text, he said, you better test the speaker. But at the end, he says, really, it's a test of the hearer. How do you know who the real Christian is versus the bogus Christian? The real Christian filled with the spirit of God knows when he's hearing truth about Jesus. And he knows when he's hearing lies. Because he's led by the Holy Spirit. That God has provided us with what we need to survive the propaganda that bombards us. You know, hundreds of feet in the ocean, the pressure is so great that if you were down there alone, your body would be crushed. But men go down there. How do they do that? They get inside those diving bells. Well, why is it the diving bell crushed? Because the pressure inside the bell is greater than the pressure outside. Do you remember what John said? Verse 4. The spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. God has put Holy Spirit pressure inside you to keep you from being crushed by all the lying spirit pressure out in the world. That's why you find yourself increasingly thrilled and alert whenever anything lifts up Jesus. That's why you find yourself increasingly disturbed and anxious by anything that ignores or diminishes Him. This hearing test is the difference between a real and a bogus Christian. Listen finally to Paul in 2 Timothy 1. Hold on to the pattern of right teaching you've learned from me. And remember to live in the faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus. With the help of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. Carefully guard what has been entrusted to you. Do you realize, loved ones, there's no grounds for boasting We can't even boast on what good hearers we are. Because even our hearing is the work of God's grace in our life through the power of the Holy Spirit. Of course, that raises a question. How about those people in whom the Spirit does not dwell? How can they ever recognize the truth? This is a hard question because the Bible says that Satan has blinded the minds of unbelievers. The Bible also says, without the Spirit, a man cannot understand the things of God. The Holy Spirit has got to overcome resistance and give ears to hear. That's why I believe 
Every conversion is truly a miracle. It's a work of God. When Paul went to Philippi, the Bible says, Acts 6, 14, that God opened the heart of Lydia so that she could hear the truth about Jesus. Every one of you that has accepted Christ is a walking miracle of the grace of God who penetrated the darkness of Satan so that you could hear the truth of Jesus. John Wesley was preaching in a revival in a small town. And there was a man in that town that hated the things of God but loved good music. And Wesley's revivals had great music. He went that night to the revival. He listened to all the singing. When Wesley got up to preach, he literally put his hands over his ears not to hear. But then a fly landed on his nose. And he did everything he could and couldn't get that fly off. And he swatted that fly. And as soon as he did, Wesley shouted, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And he did, and he got saved. This is how passionate the Lord is in his pursuit of you. And this is why we must always pray, God, continue to give me ears to hear the truth about Jesus. And we shouldn't just pray for ourselves. So I'm going to ask you to pray with me now. We're going to pray this first prayer together. Pray with me, please. Open our eyes, Lord. We want to see Jesus. To reach out and touch Him. And say that we love Him. Open just take a minute I'd like you to pray right now for a lost friend who needs Jesus pray that God will do his work of grace in their heart so they can hear the truth of Jesus pray for them right now Screen, please. Let's continue that prayer for our friends. Open their eyes, Lord. They need to see Jesus to reach out and touch Him and say that they love Him. Open their
you know, it's possible that you were prayed for right now. It's possible that God brought you here today to finally accept the truth about Jesus. We're going to sing another song. If you're ready to confess Him and be baptized, come down to the front and share that good news with us. If you would like for elders to pray over you and something going on in your life today, they were waiting for you back at the chapel. You can go there now while we stand up and sing.